My name is Chuck Cora, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Big John Eisner. Happy to be back. We're getting some, uh, we're getting a lot of feedback on some of the previous episodes, which is nice. We we love feedback. We like to hear what everybody thinks. Got plenty of death threats. <laughs> I don't think we got any of those. Uh, so so thanks for that. A lot of support, which obviously a a really nice thing. I just want to, I Chuck, I just want to get into it today. Well, then let's do it. And by the way, John, Happy New Year. Oh, man, I forgot. It's 2020. Happy New Year. You did not forget. I legit, I, no, I legitimately forgot that this is the first episode of 2020. This is, this will actually be our first full year as a podcast. Presuming, of course, that we make it through the entire year, but I like your enthusiasm. Anyway, did you do anything fun for New Year's? I brewed my own beer. Dang. What are we talking about? Are we talking like an IPA, a stout, a lager? What's the deal? Oh, man, you got too much faith in me. I just went with a simple amber ale. It's going to it's gonna probably be around 5% uh, ABV, which is pretty good for a, a starter beer. And I'm going to... I'm going to call it Big John's Appalachian Ale. Maybe I'll even start drinking it during this podcast. Who knows? Maybe it'll become more interesting of a podcast if I do. Well, no doubt that it'd be more interesting. And it sounds like we have an official beer of the Appalachian Podcast. Hashtag not a sponsor because I don't have any money. Well, let's get into it then. I know we've learned a lot about alcohol from Big John here, but this is not Alcoholapalachia. This is Appalachia. So, John, today we've got an interesting one, and I think you could argue this is a hyper-local issue, but one with broad-reaching implications that I think a lot of people in Appalachia will be interested in, but in particular the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, because today, that's right, we are talking about rock wool. Yes, yes rock wool. It is the name of a company, but more importantly, it is synonymous with a controversy that is taking place in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia right now, particularly in Jefferson County. This has been an issue that's kind of taken precedence over the last uh, maybe year, year and a half. Um, obviously, we had a little bit of a breakup with different issues, but this has been the main focus in the Eastern Panhandle and parts of Virginia as well, which we'll talk about a little bit when we get into it. For sure. Okay, well, let's get started first by explaining what rock wool is and why it's such a hot-button issue. Rock wool is a Danish multinational manufacturer of mineral wool headquartered in Copenhagen, Denmark. Rockwell announced that they were going to build a stone wool insulation plant in Ranson, West Virginia, which is in Jefferson County. I'm a, I want to give a little bit of background on the company itself. Uh, besides just moving to Jefferson County, Rockwell has actually been in North America for 30 years, uh, and they state that they've been actually operational about 80 plus years globally. A little bit about the facility it's going to be constructed on 130 acres right in the heart of Jefferson County in a small town, small area uh, called Ranson, West Virginia. It's going to create, according to Rockwell's numbers, 150 new jobs, which will equal $150 million of an initial investment from Rockwell. Uh, Over time, approximately 10 years, $218 million will be placed into the local economy because of this expansion. And largely, this became an issue in June of 2018 when Rockwell officially broke ground on the new plant. 
that's when opposition groups really started to make a lot of noise and thousands of people signed on to petitions in opposition to the Rockwell plant. Now, we'll get into these specific issues here in a little bit, and I'll premise this by saying that although this is a local issue, it has received some national attention, including in publications like the Washington Post, so this is pretty significant. John, why don't you give us some contextual background to this plant and the ensuing controversy? And for our listeners who may not be aware, John has a lot of personal insight into this issue because he used to live in the eastern panhandle and ran for public office there last year. Though though the Rockwell plant itself was not located in his district, it was a huge issue for people in and around there. Uh, So I'm going to let John talk to you a little bit about the anecdotal situation on the ground and why this has become such a huge issue. Yeah, so when this became... When this came to light, we had kind of two opposing groups. We had the um, organizations that were focused on economic development and job growth in the state, no matter where it was in the state. It just needed to be in West Virginia um, so that we could see economic expansion um, in some of these different sectors other than coal, because we've talked about coal, how it's declining and how it's becoming a huge issue in West Virginia where there's a lack of economic development. On the other side of the aisle, you had environmental groups who looked at this as a bad expansion into the economy, into a sector that they didn't want to be in because they felt that it caused far more harms than good. So you had these two massive competing groups in, first off, the middle of election season, as as Chuck has already kind of pointed out. So a lot of politics and a lot of slinging kind of back and forth. And just to add a little bit of context to the actual location where the plane is going, Ranson, as we mentioned, is located in Jefferson County. Jefferson County is the most affluent county in the state of West Virginia. It's technically part of the Washington, D.C. metro area. It gets a lot of commuters who work in D.C., a lot of retirees who have retired from working in D.C., and is performing very well, economically speaking, particularly in comparison to the rest of the state. Yeah, it is so close to D.C. Many people don't know this. I didn't know this, actually, until uh, you and I went to Shepherd University, uh, which is in Shepherdstown, uh, they actually have a a Mark train route through Shepherdstown uh, and through Jefferson County. So it's so close to D.C. and so many people work in D.C., travel to D.C., and uh, essentially do a lot of their living in D.C. that they use the Mark train to go into the city uh, and out of it. The MARC train, for those of you who don't know, stands for the Maryland Area Regional Commuter, MARC. It's a commuter train to D.C. that travels throughout Maryland and parts of the eastern panhandle and is a vital link to the D.C. area for the eastern panhandle of West Virginia. So it just really goes to show you the type of access to a major metropolitan area that the eastern panhandle and particularly Jefferson County has that most other parts of the state don't. And that translates to more opportunity, more wealth, etc., well, I think that's enough appropriate background to this discussion. Needless to say, this plan has caused a lot of uproar in that community. What we're going to do today is walk through the arguments for and against the plant and some of our personal thoughts and editorialized commentary on the situation itself. So, John, let's start with some of the main arguments against the rock wool plant. And to be clear, this is not an exhaustive list. We're merely highlighting the biggest and most compelling arguments on both sides of this issue. I think we want to clarify real quick that, um, first off, just because we're talking about pros and cons doesn't mean that these are either or on, on what we feel about the plant. 
These actually are going to likely come from the pro side being Rockwool itself and the con side being groups like uh, Resist Rockwool, uh, which is a local group in Jefferson County who has gained some traction um, putting out media against the new plant. So these are just differing opinions that Chuck and I may or may not support, but it's just these are uh, both sides of the spectrum. So I wanted to make that clear. So let's jump into it. First off, I'm going uh, straight off of actually resistrockwool.org. Uh, I will give you all the citations for any of the arguments because I don't want you to think uh, that we haven't actually researched this. So first off, their biggest argument or the argument that they list first and talk about the most is the protection of children. Uh, the factory is actually uh, on Route 9 in northern Jefferson County, uh, which is next to Northern Jefferson Elementary School. The factory is actually within two miles of public schools that are attended by about 30% of the county's children. So the main argument that they're focusing on is that it's, the proximity to schools is far too close, the danger for children rises, um, and that the plant should never have been placed in that proximity. Right. And I can speak from personal experience having worked in education advocacy before, Anything involving children or schools or anything within that stratosphere will fire up the community and the parents unlike anything you'll ever see. And rightfully so. Right. right. A absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. It's basically like lighting a match into a box of dynamite filled with gasoline and hoping that it doesn't explode and catch on fire. And I... I can't hammer this point home enough. Doing things that even potentially cause harm or concern to schools and children are the third rail of community discourse and of business decisions. So this is probably their strongest argument just from a public opinion standpoint and from being able to move the public discourse into your corner and animate people to take action on behalf of the opposition to the plan. The second most common argument by the opponents of the Rockwool plant is essentially that the new plant will pollute the environment and threaten the health and well-being of Jefferson County residents and adjacent residents. Specifically, Resist Rockwool claims that the pollutants that come out of the plant via the smokestacks will affect the kidneys, livers, hearts, and lungs of the residents around the plant. This is one that I think uh, John has been talked about almost as much as the school proximity issue and one that's fired up the environmental activist base in the region. Uh, I know, for example, the Sierra Club has been involved with this issue as well as a number of other local and regional environmental organizations. These are obviously two pretty common and uh, pretty powerful arguments. I mean, first off, if you're going to talk about children, uh, obviously there's the old saying, children are our future. Uh, and there's always a lot of focus on protecting them, rightfully so. Obviously, West Virginia has kind of taken to the forefront in trying to protect the environment that we live in. Uh, you know, see our past episodes if you want to talk about some of the, the past things that have happened here. Uh, but I think people obviously look at these companies and want to question even more because they've kind of been bamboozled in the past and they want to make sure that doesn't happen again. All good points. So the third primary argument against the plant is one that we alluded to before, which is why Jefferson County? Why locate this plant in the most affluent part of the state when it may be more beneficial to locate it somewhere else that may benefit more from those jobs and the economic development and everything else that comes from it? 
you talked about it earlier, Jefferson County is doing well. They have a homeless population less than 10%. They essentially are some of the richest people in the state, uh, and they have access to so many different places like D.C., Baltimore, Frederick, Maryland, Hagerstown, Maryland. They have access to all of these these areas that are doing pretty well uh, and have more resources than the rest of West Virginia. So the real question becomes, why did Rockwell pick Jefferson County in the first place? Many talk about tax breaks, the available land, and a few other things that we can get into. But really, the what I view as probably the strongest argument, or even on par with ch- the children argument, is Shepherdstown and Jefferson County and Ranson are already doing well enough. To give you a sense of the difference between Jefferson County and other counties in West Virginia, or even the United States as a whole, Jefferson County's median household income is $66,677. The median household income for the United States, on average, is $53,889. Every other county in West Virginia, aside from Jefferson County and Putnam County, is under the national average, and Jefferson County is well above it, as you can tell, by over $10,000. So Jefferson County is significantly more wealthy and economically a lot better off than the rest of the state from a statistical standpoint. So it does beg the question of why, why there? And we're going to get into that a little bit more with some of the pro arguments. So John, why don't we uh, jump right into that? We've talked about the compelling arguments of why not have this plant in Jefferson County. So what are the arguments for why it should be in Jefferson County? Well, I think first off, again, I want to caveat this by saying that the information that I'm getting is from Rockwell itself. I think it is only fair, and this is the type of podcast that we will be, we will not accepting one-sided approach to issues like this, especially hard-hitting issues that are going to uh, affect our listenership. So we want to make sure that we're coming from both sides and being as fair as possible. First off, it's really important to point out that Rockwell actually looked at 50 different areas in 10 different states to consider this as the location to build this insulation manufacturing facility. That is honestly uh, a pretty big feat that they they won you know the bid on that jefferson county again to point out has a huge proximity to these different areas so rockwell wanting to come to jefferson county doesn't surprise me they have the ability to not only have a great um, number of acres to build this facility but they also have access to dc at any time that they want so if they want to actually go they need to lobby or do anything like that they have the ability to go there. It's also not far from the state capital, West Virginia. Uh, they can do that a very easy, um, what I'm assuming would be probably something like a private jet, uh, that they'd be able to um, get there rather quickly. Another reason is a lot of the higher educated people live in Jefferson County, Berkeley County, because of the proximity to D.C. The proximity to all of these other areas also brings out that they can essentially release these job advertisements and pull from places like D.C., Hagerstown, uh, Frederick, Maryland, Berkeley County, Jefferson County. They can pull from all of these areas because of the proximity to all of them and have some of the best uh, recruiting situations that they probably could have thought of in the different 50 different areas. Um, So I'm sure they were looking out for how many employees they could have and what type of applicants, uh, pool of applicants that they could pull from as well. There's also a low cost of living in Jefferson County, despite it being the most affluent part of the state. 
particularly when it comes to being in such close proximity to DC, which has a high cost of living. There's also the factor, and I think this is probably what they hang their hat on, is the factor of economic impact. It's the first major employer to locate in Jefferson County in some time, I believe. Uh, the direct and indirect impact of that to the local economy will be significant, certainly. It's in the several millions of dollars. It'll be 150 jobs, $218 million injected into the local economy over 10 years. Those numbers are significant. They're certainly not something to disregard. And from an economic perspective, it's a strong argument to make if you isolate it by the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all we have right now. We're essentially looking at something that hasn't been built. Um, No employee has stepped foot in and no taxes have been paid on it. This is something we have to look at as realistically as possible and say, what does it do for the economy? What does it do for the community? And what does it do against each of those? Um, So a lot of this is just kind of a wait and see argument. um, But these are the things that we know right now. For sure. So we've walked you through the pros and cons of the Rockwool plant. I think it's time to talk a little bit about it from our own standpoint. And I will give you my thoughts, but John, of course, has a more direct connection to the area, and he can speak more personally about it. My take is this. It shows an extreme lack of care on behalf of Rockwool. Rockwool neglected to consider the implications of where they located this plant. It's not that hard to see that you're in such close proximity to all of these schools. And the optics and imagery of having these towering smokestacks casting shadows over these schools, the, the image of that alone is awful from an optic standpoint, but let alone the potential environmental and health hazards of locating an insulation plant so close to schools. I think that any good corporate citizen would look at this and see a huge problem with it. From what I've read and what I understood is that Rockwell has seen this and does not see a problem with moving forward. That's a big problem and that's a big red flag. I was actually just reading an article in one of the local outlets there, and it talked about a group of folks from Jefferson County who traveled to Denmark to attend a Rockwell shareholders meeting. Uh, Rod Snyder and Tim Ross, they had purchased enough stock, I guess, to be able to attend as shareholders. And as they were coming into the airport and going through the Danish customs, the customs officer had asked Tim where he was from. And Tim told him that they were from West Virginia. And when they said that the officer brought up the Rockwell plant and said, yeah, that's too close to a school. So this has made it all the way back to Copenhagen. So you have everyone in the local community raising this issue and even the damn airport security officer saying it. If that's not a red flag, I do not know what is. Look, I'll say it again. Anytime you poke the bear that is the public school parent, that bear is going to come back at you with a vengeance and raise holy hell. And rightly so. This is, this is, I think this shows that Rockwell operated with negligence when they picked this site. They could have done better, they should have done better, and they need to do better. We should have named that Beef with Chuck because uh, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty meaty. That was pretty meaty. I'll give you that. I mean, it's, it's no Beef with Big John, but you're, you're catching on, kid. Chuck, I like what you said there. I actually agree with a lot of it. Um, I personally am, am with you. I don't know why, as a company, you would want to place your business in an area that doesn't want you. That's kind of been the opposite of what I've ever thought <laughs> should be a thing. I mean, I don't like to go places that 
I'm not welcome, so I'm not sure if I would put my um, billion-dollar company in an area that despised me. Now, we also have been talking kind of generally that the Eastern Panhandle and Jefferson County doesn't want this company. That's not true for everybody. There are a lot of people in the Eastern Panhandle who are looking forward to Rockwell moving into the area so that they can have better job opportunities. Like I mentioned before, these are going to be good paying jobs. Let's let's not front on that. This is going to be a pretty prosperous deal for the people of Jefferson County. Yes, we've talked about the impact environmentally, but economically we have to look at the other side of the spectrum and see that this is actually going to bring in a lot of money. Uh, and it's going to create new jobs, and, th- and that's what the state needs. Here's the kicker, though. There are, in my eyes, 51 counties of the 55 counties that need something like Rockwool. Now, we can't just say they should have been in X county or X area because we don't know what properties were available. That's the big thing here. We're not just looking at whether or not the industry should have been there. We have to look at whether or not there were other areas in the state that this could even have happened. This is a huge facility, and they need over 100 acres to put this in the state. This may have been the only option in West Virginia. I don't know. I didn't get to see the bid packages. I'm not sure a lot of people did. But we have to look at whether or not Rockwool is good for West Virginia and whether or not it's good for Jefferson County. And I think that that is where really the biggest issue happens here because Jefferson County and West Virginia are almost two different worlds because West Virginia is fighting poverty and trying to get as much economic development as possible while Jefferson County has a lot of money and can pick and choose certain sectors it wants to be in. I ran for office during... uh, really the kind of the height of the rock wool ordeal um even though it's still a situation today and an issue today it's kind of simmered down now that may not be true in the eastern panhandle if you're an eastern panhandle listener let us know in the comments uh and tell us what it is today i'd like an update on where things are to me it seems like rock wool's coming i don't think that's going to be stopped it's whether or not rock wool comes full force or if they have to make some adjustments to what they're wanting um, via environmental protection or whatever, it'll be interesting to see the give and take here. Again, this is an issue that is kind of near and dear to my heart because of how long I was in the Eastern Panhandle um, and all the people that I know on, on really both sides of this. I'd be interested to hear what everybody has to say. Anyway, um, we would love to hear everyone's kind of thoughts. They're... Uh, maybe if they have, uh, I'll put this in quotes, evidence, one side or the other, um, or any information that would help us kind of figure out what's really going on in the Eastern Panhandle. If you want to break news, break it on Appod Latcha. Just if uh, it's in Danish, don't send it because I can't read Danish. Good way to end that. And John, with that, we are at the point in this episode where the bull is in the stable. He's kicking his hooves. He's snorting his nose. And we're at the point where we must ask the question. And that question is about beef. Chuck, I'm not going to lie to you. This beef with Big John. Beef with Big John. 
Let's be with John is near and dear to my heart. But I do want to point out that there were a lot of candidates <laughs> over the first four days of 2020 uh, that could have been included as uh, the Beef with Big John segment. I chose one. My Beef with Big John segment here has to deal with not a person. And I know you're thinking, how is that possible? It's because I'm going after ESPN, Chuck. And... ESPN. I know. And I, I have to. I mean, there's... Th- taking on the king of sports ball. And, I, and in fact, I think I'm taking on Disney as well, because Disney owns ESPN. Oh, sh- I'm out. I'm out of this podcast. I'm done. Connor quits. So, Mickey, listen up. I'm sick of this. I've got some issues with how you're running your business over there, Mickey. All right, John, you can shut the f- up. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Um, ESPN. ESPN decided that, if you don't know, I'm a huge WVU fan. uh, And I know you're thinking, wow, what a shock. Uh, But I live and breathe uh, the Mountaineers. I want to make sure that I can always see the games. uh, And that, uh, honestly, the 1.7 million, 8 million people in West Virginia can also see the games. Unfortunately... ESPN doesn't feel the same way. ESPN has decided to partner with the Big 12 and has decided that games like one of the biggest games of the year, which was ranked West Virginia University versus ranked Kansas, basketball would not be featured on television. Doesn't make much sense because there's a ton of people that want to watch it. Instead, ESPN decided that they would put it on their new streaming service, ESPN+, Plus which costs about $4.99 per month uh, and gives you the access to stream some games, especially Big 12 games now. In order to stream, you have to have reliable internet. Well, the problem with that is about a third of the population in West Virginia doesn't have access to reliable internet. In fact, hundreds of thousands of people in Appalachia do not have access to reliable internet. They haven't been featured in a lot of these broadband expansion projects yet you are forcing hundreds of thousands of people to be without a major sports program in fact i'm sorry marshall we're gonna take hate on this chuck shots fired and i know it but the only major sports team in the state of west virginia espn has now made it to where a third of the state can no longer watch those games because they wanted an extra $4.99 a person a month. We're at a new point in television and sports and things like that, and I get that, where streaming is really the future, and we've we've heard a lot about cable cutting and yada, yada, yada. Unfortunately, that hasn't hit rural areas like parts of West Virginia. They don't have access to reliable internet, Therefore, they no longer have access to these games. They're already paying for a service that now ESPN has taken away. West Virginia doesn't have the needed internet access to make sure that they can see these games. And I know you're thinking, a basketball game probably isn't a big deal to a lot of people, but it's a huge deal here in West Virginia. Again, we don't have pro sports teams. We have one team. Trunks fired! And that's West Virginia University. And ESPN decided that they wanted to take that away. 
I do want to emphasize, and people in Kentucky know this. I mean, if you're either a Louisville fan or a University of Kentucky fan, you know what these sports mean. All of the places in Appalachia know what sports means, and what ESPN has done has essentially made it to where if you're not in one of the places in West Virginia that's lucky enough to have reliable internet, then you're not going to see the game, which might mean that you're not going to be able to have that family time that you're used to or meet up with your friends. And I I think that that was something that ESPN really missed here um, and they should have taken a better look at before making ESPN Plus a mandatory option for these people. Moral of the beef there is that you don't mess with the Mounties. But with that, I think we're going to wrap things up here. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and rate us and give us a review. Let us know we're doing well. Let us know we're doing not so well. Also, email us at appodlatchetgmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you so much for listening. Share this with your friends.